You know, we, um, John was talking about having different perceptions of, uh, of, of God and, and how we need to have our, our perceptions uh, aligned. Uh, and, and what's so helpful to have those aligned <laughs> is knowing the, uh, the grace of our Father, his, his love. Uh, you know, it gives us room to play. It gives us room to figure things out with him. When my uh, uh, when two of my girls, we've got five daughters. Uh, if y'all don't know uh, us very well, uh, who are just uh, all gems, all so different, and uh, and <laughs> there's so many aspects of a father's heart that have to grow, you know, with uh, all the different nuances of uh, personality that are there. <laughs> when we were uh, younger, when they were younger, uh, <laughs> uh, two of them, uh, we were telling them the story of uh, of Pontius Pilate and how he had the opportunity. To uh, you know, to set Jesus free uh, or not, and you know he chose not to. He wanted to hold on to his uh, his power and his position, and so we uh, we asked our girls, you know, like what? You know, we <laughs> we asked one of them, like what? What's like your favorite thing? I think it was My Little Pony at the time, and uh, it's like you know you, you've got a chance to get to know Jesus or, or let go of uh, My Little Pony. It's such a setup question. <laughs> you know, like what's what do you think? You know, what would you do? And, you know, she's such a tender heart, sweetheart. She's like, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, of course I'd give up. Of course I'd give up my little pony. I'm like, oh, she's amazing. She's so sweet. And then uh, we turn to uh, another of our daughters who won't be named. And, <laughs> and posed to her the, the same question. And, and hers was, uh, you know, uh, I think little dolls. I, I can't remember at this point. And uh, I was like, all right, so, you know, you've got the opportunity, you know, you can, you can free Jesus or, you know, you can, uh, you know, uh, and give up your, your dolls or you can free Jesus. And I was like, what are you going to do? And with like hardly uh, a space, she goes, crucify him. <laughs> I think she was three, maybe four or so. <sighs> She knew the resurrection, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, our, um, our perceptions of God do, do change over time. And, uh, and it's a gracious thing for our Father to give us you know, uh, space. You know, uh, you know, we, I, I, I genuinely believe that, that if all of us have, uh, have encounters with Jesus like this, like today... And knew who he was, he'd be irresistible. I mean, I, I, I believe that with all my heart. He, he's, he's, a, he's astonishingly. He, he's, he's so amazing. He's so beautiful. And so we, we can give space to our kids, right? You know, uh, Jesus, um, you know, he had a, a kind of a, a, you know, a wonderful way of doing that. One, there's the resurrection. And that's pretty convincing. That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, convincing us of his goodness. <laughs> You know, he could also, uh, you know, dish it out in ways that are a bit surprising. Like, you know, he would talk to the religious leaders and call them a, a brood of vipers. <laughs> and, you know, you guys are whitewashed tombs. And uh, you guys are a den of thieves. And you're thinking, all right, you rose from the dead. You healed people. You're kind. <laughs> yeah, and you, 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 you lay it out there for uh, these religious leaders. And there's a part of us that identifies. We're like, yeah, you give it to him, Jesus. You... You do that. <clears throat> and, uh, and then we recognize that same kind of Pharisee within us at times. And, and I've noticed that to the extent that I, uh, I'm really partnering with going after those, uh, those religious leaders, you know, there, there's a part of me that, especially when raising kids, when they give an answer like that, you know, I'm like, whoa, whoa you can't go there. And Jesus is like, all right, little Pharisee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Jesus, he says things sometimes that, that are a bit challenging. He called Peter Satan. You know, it's his kindness, right? That leads to repentance. What's going on there? He, he, uh, there's a woman that comes to him, uh, a Syrophoenician. So she's, she's not native to, to Israel. And she's asking for help for her daughter. You know, who's, who's demonized, you know, who's, who's oppressed and who's bound. And, and she comes up to him and he looks at her and he's like, no, 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 no. The, the food is for the children uh, and not the dogs. And you're like, Jesus, you're kind. What's going on with this? 
when, when I began to, to read the, the scriptures, I, I would come across passages like that. And in my, my, you know, my, my awakening to the Lord, and I had done so many things that were, were counter to God. I, mean, I was a, you know, a, an unapologetic hedonist. Uh, that when I, I recognized his goodness and saw you know, how I had you know, uh, really erred, I didn't have a full revelation of the kindness of God. And so when I'd read a passage like that, I would say, you know, uh, you dog, you know. I'd be like, yes, that's, that's who I am, Lord. <clears throat> I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes you, you encounter difficult passages. And, and, and it just it seems to make sense to you in that place. Over time, then you, you begin to hear, though, but he calls you the beloved, Wait a second. There's there's a dog here. There's uh, what's going on here? I, I want to talk about how uh, oh, today's message, like worship, just sets it us up. Uh, I want to talk about how to engage you know these difficult passages uh, in the presence of the Father, and and we're going to go through a section of Scripture, and I'm going to walk you through how to do that in a way that helps when these challenging passages are there for you to understand how to to shepherd your own heart, how the Father is shepherding your heart through that. Uh, and, and, and we need to, we need to do that. Sometimes Jesus intentionally says challenging things for a purpose, and, and I want to be able to help us to understand that within the context of, of where he's after. Um, and so, I, I, man, like, I've been so excited about this message. He is setting you all free today. <laughs> you know, he, he, is, he is setting you free. We've already experienced that. He is going to be nailing it home uh, through what we're going to be uh, reading in the scriptures. And so I just, I'm so excited that you guys are here. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. So I'm going to read, starting from Luke 14, uh, you know, we, we have a, a section of Scripture that ends starting with verse 25 in Luke 14, and is going to end in chapter 17 in verse 10. And it's a contained portion of Scripture. It's always wise to understand the context of where you're reading in Scripture to understand the, the heart of God in that. So you don't just pluck and pick things out of it and, and create a, a wrong presumption or assumption of the Scriptures and maybe make the mistake that I've made before of you know, considering myself a dog. We, we're going to end up in a, in a passage that John had preached on a few weeks ago about faith. It's one that Bill Vanderbush had highlighted as well. I'm actually going to start with the end and then show how from the very beginning it builds up to that. And so if you guys have you know, your, your Bibles, verse uh, 10, sorry, uh, we're going to go uh, chapter 17 of Luke. And you know, we're going to look at verse 5 and go in there for just a second. So verse 5 of chapter 17. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Which one of you having a slave tending sheep or plowing will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Instead, will he not tell him, prepare something for me to eat, get ready, and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you can eat and drink. Does he think that slave because he did what was commanded? In the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are good for nothing slaves. We've only done our duty. Uh, so just pause for a second. You know, when, when you hear that, first just remind yourself <laughs> you know, where we are. We're in the presence of the Father who's come after you to run. Okay, because I want to get to this. The, the way that John explained this passage a few weeks ago was 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 brilliant. It's so eye-opening for me where, you know, we, we are serving the Father. We, we are worshiping Jesus. And, and in that, that worship, you know, if we, if we stretch into inconvenience, we're stretching into faith and we're releasing his glory and, and, and stepping into that place of just going beyond what we thought was possible is, is a step of faith that's glorious. And the, the key of that passage, when, when John was talking about it, was, was our worship, our focus on God, our focus on Jesus. And Bill Vanderbush said the same thing. He was, he was using Ezekiel and talking about the, the, the priests of Zadok, how they just minister to the Father at all times. And because of that, they can minister to the, the people. And that passage you know, here in Luke 17 is, is referencing that, you know, or is a, is a shadow of that, where we're just looking at the Father, we're gazing upon him. 
this is the key for these passages, where your gaze is. And it's so, it's so fascinating. So we, we are looking at this context, and Jesus is saying, I, I personally don't like this translation. I'm going to tell you why in a second. We're, we're, we're into a conversation where he's with his best buddies, and he's saying to them, in the same way when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are good-for-nothing slaves. We've only done our duty. Now, so pause on this for a second. You know, this translation says good for nothing. Others will say worthless. The, uh, the, the, word, the word for that in the, you know, the, the Greek or the Aramaic, uh, you know, has a possibility of it being, you know, without worth. Um, it, it also has the, the possibility of it being like, I have nothing, you know, to, to offer you. You know, uh, you know you, you've, you've done everything in a sense. And at this time, Jesus is speaking to people under a, a law, under a covenant, where you know, they, it was all regulations and rules, and it was preventing them from being able to step into intimacy a lot. Yeah. But they'd hung out with Jesus for long enough that they, they were becoming acquainted with this kingdom, which was different. And here are the eyes of Jesus looking at them, and these are eyes of, of glaring love, I mean, blazing fire love. And they had seen his miracles, and he's saying to them, you know, you who are, you know, have nothing to offer. And then the second word, you know, we are only doing what, we, uh, what, what our duty is. We have, we have, you know, fulfilled our debt. We, we have only debt to give to you who's done all this for us. There, there's, a, there's a shifting that's going on in the language here that I'm going to pause on and go back for a second and fulfill in just a second. Because how we approach passages like this is so incredible to understand from the relation to context and the presence of Jesus. So bear with me for a second, all right? We're going we're gonna to hit the pause button. I want you to go back, if you would, to chapter 14. Chapter 14, 14 verse 25. This begins uh, you know, a, a section of Scripture. And I'm gonna, I would make the argument that it, it, it begins um, a train of thought. It, it begins the, the greater context for this final question, teach us or show us faith, that ends with this understanding of what a slave is and, and who, who Jesus is. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through a lot, y'all, so, so bear with me in this. And the great part is that the Lord's here. And, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is understanding, there is counsel, there is knowledge, there is comfort, there is an awareness of his love, there is an impartation of who he is in nature. And so stay in that place, okay, as we go through this. This is one of the keys of understanding God through Scripture is staying in a place where you recognize right now his love and his care of you. Only within that can we understand these difficult passages. <laughs> now great crowds were traveling with him. And so he turned and said to the crowds, If anyone comes to me <laughs> and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Here's one who is perfect love, who is going to pour love into us and tell us and command us to love your enemies even, saying you're going to hate your family. <laughs> so, and the word means hate. It, it, it's, it's a strong word of aversion, you know, uh, to people. And so it's wise, before you jump to some conclusions here with this, to just pause in his presence and just, just ask, you know, Lord, what, do you, what are you getting at here? Jesus is one, you know, who, who was so attached to his father that he could bear the cross while forgiving everyone that was there. That the goodness of God so much was in Jesus that while he was being ridiculed, abandoned, spit upon, he was saying to them, forgive them. So he understands the, the need for connection. Okay? How is that connection formed? You know, maybe you've had great families and, and that you come from uh, wonderful backgrounds. There's a point where we get to when our families can become a hindrance to that connection first. Okay? We were told in John 14 that this is what love is. Uh, as I have loved you, love one another. And with the love that I've given you from the Father, love one another. And so love first comes from the Father. As most of you have, have experienced in some form, there's people in your life that you love dearly. And you recognize that it would be hard sometimes to feel love if they're not 
with you or they're not joined with you or they're having a hard time or having, having a hard day. And that's understandable. That's natural. Jesus is saying that I want to form a connection with you, with the Father first. That through that connection, you can love these. But you first have to wear, recognize that there, there needs to be a, an attachment break, so to speak. Uh, some of you might find this actually to be freeing. Maybe you've had bad examples. You've got like a bad family name and that kind of stuff. And you're like, sign me up for that. You know, I'll, I'll cleanse that right up. And that, that's great. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> that's, that's really not quite what, what he's after um, in this. Uh, but it's tempting to. You know, in, in my zeal, you know, for clearing my name, so to speak, when I came back to the Lord, I was like, yeah, wh- whatever you say, cutting them off. You know, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll make whatever strong lines necessary. I'll be radical for you because I, I can't live that life anymore. And so if we read it without understanding the full context of the Lord, then we can go set up shop somewhere in a little hovel or a little, you know, uh, cult and, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and, and separate you know, from what would be, a, you know, a good <laughs> healing here. And so Jesus, you know, hate these folks. You know, if I could just suggest to you, you know, let your heart be so, you know, so fixed on the one that we're worshiping, on, on the Father, that, that we're so blind to his love, that, that there's nothing else that can distract us. Like, we, we, we are so in love with him that there's no room for any other attachments so that he pours into us, and now we've got love to give to our father and mother, our family, when it's a bad day, that kind of thing. But there's a key to it. And this just this wrecked me when I was a kid. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And I remember as a kid, um, you know, I would, I would oftentimes be sick for various different reasons. And I would just, I would think about Jesus bearing that heavy cross and trying to get it up to the hill and, and being so beaten down that he couldn't do it, but how heavy it was. And I just remember thinking, God, I, I couldn't bear a cross. And I thought that I had to bear a cross. You know, when I was real little, and I was like, I can't do it, and it would grieve me. I would feel sadness. It's like, I can't bear my own cross, Jesus. Like, I could never be like you. I, I could never measure up. You know, I can't bear a cross. And then, and then I would think about the, the things of this world that, that, that I was failing in. You know, that, that I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't live righteously. You know, I would try to, you know, to please my parents. Or I would try to do well in school. And it, and it just wasn't working. And it would feel like this heaviness. You know, like, I can't do this. I, I, I don't know. I can't. And it would, I would cry as a kid, you know. Uh, so if we read it without understanding the fullness of it. So here's Jesus, and he's talking to people at a time where they haven't yet received the fullness of his revelation of who he was. They hadn't yet fully realized that he was going to bear the cross. It tells us in the scriptures that when we receive Jesus, when we just believe him as Savior, then we died with him on the cross. That he bore the cross for us. All we need to do is believe in him. And we enter into bear your own cross. We enter into death, death to yourself, death to the things of the world, death to the things that were holding you back. They're, they're now dead. He did it for you. And, and so the, the heaviness is gone. You don't have to bear the cross in this heavy, uh, feeling kind of way. All you have to do is believe and have that. You remember, you know, the, the, the point of what we're getting at is, is have our eyes so fixed on Jesus Oh, so in love with him, so in love with the Father, that there's no other competition for it. In that place, as you're believing in him, the cross is bared for you, and you know it. You know that whatever burdens are there in your way, whatever sin issues are tempting you in that kind of way, this focus, whoo, man, I believe in you, fades away. It's, it's bared in that way. You know, at, at times it can feel like a struggle, and we have to wait, wait a second, like, why is this a struggle right now? This is what the process of developing faith is going to look like for us. And we, we're here at a, at, a, at, a, at a church at a time where we are continuing the revival that started 2,000 years ago. So good. Where he has been awakening the church in different streams, in different epochs, you know, year by year. And, and we're, we're upon another one. We're in the middle of another one. We have been revived. We have been awakened. And we're stepping into it fully. The, the, the faith is there for it. The process of faith is going to look like always fixing our eyes upon Jesus. And so at times we're going to be challenged in our heart to redefine what family is. 
And you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you know at times you have to have conversations with your family and your loved ones that know you best. If you've ever gotten saved, and then, you know, sometime later you go back with your family who knows your past. How hard is it to change the conversation? How hard is it at times to reclaim your identity when they think they know you best? You know? Let Jesus be your affection. Put your trust in him, and then you're the beloved. And so I appreciate what you say about me. I appreciate this, this, this view. You know, that's not who I am anymore. I, you know, I, I used to talk about these things. I don't, I don't feel comfortable talking about these things any longer, you know. Whatever that may be, you know, I just can't go there any longer. I, I honor where you guys are, but listen, Jesus has done a work in me, and I just don't feel right about that anymore. You know, I, I love you guys. I honor you. Well, I know. <clears throat> so... So this begins the, the, the exegesis of the passage. It's so important for you guys to know that when, when, you're, when you're looking through Scripture and, and trying to get technical with the interpretation, you have to have the voice of Jesus, the revealed presence of God there with you as you're looking through it. You have to have him sitting beside you. You have to know the Father coming off his porch to you when you're reading the Scriptures. If, if, if not, then, then you can get trapped in the mindset of slavery, you know, the, the, the mindset of I'm just a slave or I'm just a dog. And that's the only way I know how to interpret this. And so it's, it's to us to, to worship the Lord, to stay in a place of worship, to trust in him that the cross was enough, that he can free me up now from all these things. And so we have this passage, you know, hate your mother and father. But is this making sense now what this really is talking about? For which of you wanted to build a tower? Now, remember, this is Jesus talking, okay? If you're reading the scriptures and you're down like this, you know, these are just words on the page, you know, and you're used to elementary school and high school and college where you're having to dissect and get that kind of stuff, you know, you're automatically in your mind and you're missing something. Be careful of that. Be really, really, really careful of that. Instead, you're, you're reading this and you have to see that Jesus is speaking, he spoke these words at one time in history, and all we're doing is recording them. We're, we're passing them on. That's why it's good to read them to one another at times, a family and friends. But the point is to hear it as if he's speaking right to you. And so, you know, uh, experience the, like the, the timber of his voice. He's calm, and he's, he knows who you are, and he loves you. He's full of joy. You know the end. You know the resurrection. You know what he says about you if you've read the whole as you're looking into it. And so he says this, looking at you with, with eyes of intense glory and passion for you. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? So he's talking about our ambition, whatever that might be. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Well, that sounds wise. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, who's the source of the building? Who's the source of the resources? Is it you? Do you have to have everything? <clears throat> who's going to give you these things? If your eyes are focused there. Or what king going to war, now we're talking about nationalism, going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not say goodbye to all his possessions cannot be my disciple. You know, again... You know, zealous me when I was early on in my faith. I'm like, get rid of all my possessions. Okay. Oh, I'm not going to do that, God. Oh, how does that work even, you know? Where do we live, you know? Can I drive? Where's, where's your affections, you know? Uh, it's interesting, he, he talks about a king going off to war and then links it to possessions. So much of nationalism, so much of wars actually begin with just what do you want to possess or not. That's another story, you know. Let your own heart be content with the Lord. But that's what he's saying. So, you know, whatever ambitions, whatever desires that you have, and, and you're wondering, am I going to be able to do this or not? You know, and you kind of feel led that this is the direction I want, and you're like, ah, there's no way I can complete this. Hold on a second, before I think that thought, that's maybe a slave mentality or poverty mindset, let me talk to Jesus here. If he's saying, give up all your possessions, and you're saying, by the way, I'm king, I'm God, I have all the possessions. 
Yeah. Right? It's like what John was saying. Money's not going to be an issue. Hey, it's not really about acquiring wealth. Did you guys know that? Yeah. It's really not. You already have all the wealth in the world. It's about whatever you have. You, you, you give to build up and you, you give to show the love of God with unrighteous or righteous man and whatever it might be. You, you, may, you just give to show the love of God, to build up our communities, to build up one another in love, to show who the Father is. And so whenever you're about to do an endeavor, it's wise to just check in with the eyes of the one who's speaking to you about this. Hey, do we have resources for this, Jesus? Now, salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty again? (laughs) You're the salt of the earth. Now, hear this. It isn't fit for the soil (laughs) or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Anyone who has ears to ears should listen to this. We're the salt of the earth, and you you, you don't think I'm even good enough for the manure pile? (laughs) Okay. I mean, this is tough. But you're right, God, I've messed up. <clears throat> or what if the, the presence of the Lord is so glorious that we might be tempted toward escapism and just wanting to go off you know, forever and, and never recognize that this, this presence, this, this heavenly minerals that's in us you know, is meant for here. <clears throat> the salt of the earth. <clears throat> oh, man, so when Jesus is speaking these things, look into his eyes. What's he saying? You know, what is his presence? What is his love? What is the Father's heart pursuing you, communicating to you as, as you're reading all this? And so then there's the parable of the lost sheep. And because of worship today, we don't have to get into all this. This was good. You know, <laughs> so the, the, the parable is the lost coin, the sheep, and the, the son are all the same thing. It's the the absolute divine jealousy for the fullness of intimacy with you. I mean, unbroken, without shame, without limitations, without boundaries, this man, this God is coming after you and he's not going to stop. His arms are open. Man, this is the heart of the one who's saying these difficult things to you. And so when things seem offensive to you, challenge it with this. What are you really saying? Take the time to pray, to listen, to contextualize this message. Uh, so, in uh, chapter 16, he gets into the, uh, the dishonest manager here. And, and, and it's a wonderful story about what to do with, uh, you know, with royalty. Royalty is, is taking wealth, you know, and, and learning how to shepherd it in a way that helps people to see the eternal God that's the beginner of all things. And so... Basically, at the end, saying, no household slave can be the slave of two masters, since either he will have one and love another, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves to both God and money. And money is a symbolism for almost everything that's out there. And so, you know, we start off in chapter 14, and we're getting closer. We're learning how to detach from things like family, things like nationalism, uh, things uh, like, in this case, money, you know, things like ambition, so that we can focus on him and then have what we need you know, for our mission, for, for our love. And so it, it's symbolized oftentimes by money. And so he's trying to make it clear what he's been getting at in these last couple of chapters. Hey, listen, you can't serve two masters. Yeah. You know, family sometimes can be a master. Uh, in our culture, it's not as much because we're so individualistic and so independent. But I'm sure some of you come from cultures and, and you know, we, we know cultures around that, especially in that one, family is the bedrock of society. And if, and if you, you know... You can't but help but go into the father's business, that kind of stuff. If you do, then, you know, we had a hard enough time uh, breaking uh, Thanksgiving rules in our family, and that was tough. <clears throat> we got called communist for changing things up. In love. Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we have, uh, then we have kids, in, in, and we're wanting to give them the same freedom and love. And then they, they want to look different than us. <laughs> and they, they want to pursue challenges that are going to take up a lot of our time. <laughs> Second, you know, gymnastics, goodness, that's a lot of one. You know, but, you know, where does our heart lean to after getting to know this, this love? Like, oh, you know, like, 
I want to give you space to breathe, you know? Like, I, I, I want this for you. I don't know how we're going to be able to do it, but God, what, what do you have available to you? How, how can we do this together? You know, we were, um, we were considering purchasing this home, you know, several years ago. And, uh, you know, there's no way that we could afford it or anything, but we felt the Lord leading to, us to ask. And we invited our girls in on the, the conversation, you know? So we were around the table. We, we said, hey, listen, like, this is what's facing us uh, what do y'all think? And, and one of our daughters, the same one that said, crucify him, by the way, <laughs> said, I see this, this cloud of glory. Like she didn't use the word glory. She, she was younger. And she's like, I see this cloud, but it's got like shiny gold stuff and like little sparklies coming out of it. And it shines real bright. And I see it moving from our house to this other house. And that was similar to another word that we'd received. And we're like, oh, that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. We, we want to, to have the, the, open, the, the effect of having a God who's open to us growing in our understanding of him gives us an openness to understanding you know, our, our kids and to growing with them as well. And, and so it's worth challenging the areas where you think that maybe you know, you're not measuring up or you know, the goodness of God isn't, isn't what it is. I want to get now to, uh, uh, this is so good. So in verse 14 of chapter 16. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And he, he told, yeah, that's so weird, you know? I mean, like, this guy, he's just, he's got grace in him. He's life. In him was life. It's just, he's blazing with life and light, and they're scoffing. I'm like, oh. But I can understand that because I've done that before, right? Okay. So you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. And so Jesus, he had such a clean heart with the Father that he was able to see clearly, ah, that's not good. And what you guys are doing, I can see it. I'm going to call it out. If you get to know my love, it'll change your heart. But I'm telling you that what you're after isn't great. The law, and this is, this is what I love uh, in verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John... They were until a certain time, John the Baptist. So they were until, so the, the old covenant was until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is strongly urged or is pushing their way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter in the law to drop out. And so, you know, first, time, first few times I'm reading this, I'm like, there's no law, and then there's law. There's, there's no law, but then it's harder for it to pass away. Like, so I'm going to experience grace and still do the law because they're both still here, right? Have you guys, anyone else ever had that before? They're like, how much of the law should we have to obey now? But it's, it's still here. It's not going to pass away. What do we do with that? We love your grace. We, we love this. We love the communion that we have, but there's still this law here. Unless heaven and earth pass away. There's an out clause. That seems pretty difficult for heaven to pass away, but what's harder to pass away, heaven and earth or God? How do you get out of... uh... (laughs) For everyone... (laughs) I needed to go on for a second. Verse 18, everyone who divorces his wife... And marries another woman commits adultery. And everyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Why did he say that in that context? How does one get out of marriage is what I was going to say. So he, he says, he, he gives this description for marriage. Hey, you can't leave marriage. Otherwise, it would be a, a, adultery in this context, you know, uh, you know, unless they commit adultery. Uh, except in the case of death. You know, the, the only way we can break a covenant you know, is if there's death of that person. And who died? that was involved with both sides of the Old Covenant. Jesus representing God and man of the Old Covenant. We were married, you know, God and man married, dies. Which is, you know, harder to do than heaven and earth pass away. And so the covenant's done. You know, it's complete. That's why in Hebrews, when you're talking about the the new covenant being established, you know, it's through the, the shedding of blood for the establishment of it, you know, for the cutting off of the old, but the, all the, the establishment of the new. Yeah. <sighs> it's finished. The, these passages have been leading up to you know, family, ambition, nationalism, money, religion, taken care of. Yeah. Every way that we would think of as an obstacle to truly encountering Jesus in this 
you know, in, the, in this, just going after you, this, this love, this point his heart out kind of way, it, it's, it's completely open for you. All you have to do is fix your eyes on him and believe. <clears throat> and then there's times, however, when we recognize the place of our heart where we kind of like the law. <laughs> I don't want to speak that over you. I'll just talk about myself. <clears throat> there's times, you know, when you, know, you, you want to have certain arrangements with, you know, a spouse or a kid, and you're like, you got to do this, or friends, and you should be doing this. It's just so that I can find a place of stability because I need that from you, you know? It, we can enter into a law and it feels good. Or maybe, you know, I prayed, you know, for an hour today or I felt the presence of God, therefore I'm accepted. But if I'm not being able to pray because maybe I'm sick or tired or just didn't feel it today and maybe I didn't experience the presence of God in worship, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen with that? And if you're anything like me, there have been plenty of times where you have these seasons where you're like, you know, you sneeze and the glory of God comes upon you and you just fall out or you're just like, oh, that's great, God. <clears throat> and then there's times where you're in a, a conference of the just best worship leaders in the, around and, and people are calling out words and it's just a heaven. There's, there's probably angels everywhere. And, and, and you're just like, I don't feel anything. <clears throat> but you don't want to be that person, so you're... Don't want to decrease the level of faith in the room right now. Okay. I'm just going to relax. <laughs> and if that disturbs us, then that's a law. Man, guys, you know, we, we know about, you know, we know about the wilderness. So just to, as a... You know, uh, in our faith walk, there, there comes a time where we walk into what's called the wilderness. And, and this isn't a sermon for that, where, you know, you, you don't experience the, the presence of God and things just aren't working out. And you're just, what's going on? And, and he's teaching you in that how the, the, the resolve of faith within you really works. And this is the point of this, this whole big pericope, this whole big passage is, is faith. You know, you lay aside all the religious stuff and just know that he's one with you. you. You focus on his eyes. He's always there on the porch. He's coming after you. And you're like, all right, I don't, I don't feel I don't feel. Good. You know, I don't even care about you right now, God. <sighs> but I know that you're there for me. Like, I don't understand this. It just, I, I just want to be stuck here. Can I just be stuck here? Can I just please be stuck here? He's like, you know, and today, yes, but tomorrow, all right, I'll get off the porch. I'll, I'll go toward you again. You don't feel it, but after a while, that, result, that, that, that creates a resolve in you. It creates an understanding of faith within you. You keep going. And, and so this is the process of faith because sometimes we lose sight of God because we've got religion and we've got family pulling us in these ways and then we get all tied up and Take a deep breath and calm. Focus your eyes upon him again. And, and recognize his covenant is complete for you. There's, there's nothing that can separate you. He, he goes down, you know, he... Uh, he so the, the point of the, the divorce passage is to say that, you know, because of his death, you know, it's a clean slate. We have a new covenant now we can enter into without worrying about the law. He talks about then, you know, a rich man and a, a man named Lazarus. And it's actually a really cool passage because at the end of it, you know, there's a, there's a man who was uh, very wealthy, and he had a man named Lazarus um, who was, you know, not wealthy, who would be on this man's doorstep, and the rich man never paid him any attention, never gave him any food or anything like that, and just kind of overlooked him completely. Lazarus dies, goes up to heaven, you know, um, and the, the rich man goes into a place called Hades, and, uh, and there he's like, hey, listen, you know, can you go to my brothers and tell them, you know, uh, that, you know, they need to repent, they need to turn. And uh, God says, no. And he says, well, at least, you know, if I go to them, you know, surely they'll go see a resurrected man. He's like, no, like all they need is actually in the, the law and the prophets. And, and I'm struck by that because Jesus says in another place that, you know, uh, if the miracles, including resurrection, were done in, in, in Sire and in, in, in Tyre and in, in Capernaum, then, uh, sorry, if, the, if these miracles had been done, which were in Capernaum and Tyre, had been done in Sodom, then they would have repented. And if a resurrection causes repentance and doesn't, in the case of this Lazarus man, he says that the law and the prophets will, then I'm amazed that, that, that even just preaching about the law and prophets has the capacity to save. And, and I just want to put that out there because sometimes we can, we can, we can go too much in one way or the other, and, and it's, it's both. You know, we, we have the word of God, which can communicate all you need to about the love of the Father as you learn how to read it in context like this. Or we have miracles, and both are available to help bring about 
resurrection and, 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 and eternal life. And so we, we, we owe it to ourselves to begin to dive into the scriptures like this, to really understand you know, what the Spirit of God understands about the Word of God and, and let it breathe into us in this new covenant at the same time going after these miracles. Man, and it just fires you up. You know, these, these PCLs that get healed in the worship service without anybody praying for it. Man, that's just amazing that the Lord is here. So I want to, I want to finish off now by getting to... You know, verse uh, chapter 17, and I know we've covered a lot. So, um, you know, offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one they come through. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if, the sins, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and he comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you, you must forgive him. And then they say, you know, increase our faith. They have this awareness that we're going to hurt one another often. And they've probably been in relationships like you and I have where it's happened enough that you're like, I'm done. No, I can't do that. Jesus is the one speaking these words. His, his eyes of passion, his eyes of love, the, the Father's heart coming to you, he's offered you forgiveness, all these things. He's saying these things. Now, now remember what I've just said in the last two chapters. <clears throat> Focus on me. Look at all the things that, that, that you've grown in, like my affection for you, the things that I've, I've cleansed and forgiven of you, the new covenant, all these things. And offer it continuously to your brothers here. That seems impossible. Increase our faith. Okay, great. Glad you asked. <laughs> then we get to the passage that we were talking about. And I'm going to skip down to, uh, to verse, nine. <laughs> verse 9. This is so fun. Does he think... So Jesus, again, is, is telling the story. After the servant has uh, come in and done his duty to serve even after convenience, so he's pressing in, he's, he's, he's worshiping, he's serving, he's doing all these things. Does he thank that slave because he did what was commanded? And, and so, just want to pause on that. And, and so, you know, Jesus is saying this, and, and maybe he pauses when he says this to the disciples. But keep in mind that Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I came to be a servant of all. I, we're slaves together. We're servants together. Huh? Yeah. I, I remember I had a mentor of mine, uh, a dear man, you know, uh, you know, uh, who was a uh, you know, counseling mentor for me, was a dean of our seminary. And we were hanging out one day after, after knowing him for a few years. And, uh, and we were in a, you know, a group, um, a small group, uh, and just kind of like having snacks in between seeing clients. And uh, he just looks at me like, David? Uh, you know you're weird. <laughs> you know, and and you know, I'm weird. <laughs> I know that about myself, you know. <clears throat> but it was always kind of weird because does everyone else know this? What do they think about? <laughs> you're weird and he said it with these eyes like the father's eyes oh man you know you know you're a slave right you you know we're servants together right you know we're weird together right you know me and you we're we're, we're in this together right we 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 we, i I see who you are and you see who i am and like i'm here to serve you like there's nothing between us you're you're weird you know you're a slave right you know, I, I have come and served all to the point where I took your sin. I, I paid the price. You know, this, this, to be a bond servant, you know, a slave in this context, you know, means one who had such a high debt that they had to go into slavery. Well, the, the master was one that paid it. And, and so we, we have a debt to this master, so to speak. And, and Jesus, what paid the debt was love. And so our debt now is to love. And so I was just doing our duty. I just was loving you, Jesus. Uh, you know, my, my debt to you is just to love. And, and so, hey, I'm not doing anything other than, you know, what, what you've already done for me. You know, I, I'm already, I'm just, I'm just looking like you, right? And so all I have to give is love. So, and, and, and I can see it in his eyes, like, you know, we're in this together, right? Hey, so if I ask you difficult things, you know, and it's, you're going to feel like, sometimes you're going to feel bound by that. Sometimes, there, there's been times in my life where I'm enjoying my freedom with Jesus, you know, and, and you know, all things are permissible, but then he says, that thing, though, it's not profitable. 
I want you to, I want you to move that. And I'm like, what is that? That's nothing. Forget that, Jesus. See, like, it's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's playing video games, you know, when we first get married. And, and Elizabeth wants to hang out with me. Video games? Come on, it's not a big deal. You don't want me to give that, give that up. And we understand in relationship, right? When there's something that seems innocuous to us, and it's, and it's messing up our, our relationship, you know, when you're, when you're in love, you're like, I'll give that up. But there's a part of you that maybe is like, but why should I give that up? I don't understand that. And there's a part of you in that space that's going to feel a little bit like a slave. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to take out the trash before I go to work in the morning. It's, it's fine there all afternoon. <laughs> Maybe you don't have those kind of discussions at home. <laughs> what do you mean? So God will start to put things in your heart that he's looking to... Just to, to move for reasons that you're never going to understand. He's like, I don't want you to understand it. If you understood it, then you'll build up a reason why you should have it or shouldn't have it, and you try to convince me that's not good or good. <laughs> you just do it. Like, oh, I feel like a slave, God. He's like, oh, we're together. It's love. Remember, we're just doing this in love. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say it like that. <laughs> but I'm weird, so it's Okay. Okay. So this, this, this woman comes up. <laughs> Jesus says, you know, the dogs don't eat off the table. There, there's a word in the, 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 the lingo, the Greek, you know, they make, that was for dog. And then there's a word for household dog that you just love. That's part of the family. Uh, the former is what everyone in culture, you know, just being, you know, racist and being mean to one another, like, you know, you're a dog, you know. <laughs> That's actually not the word that Jesus uses. You, you know, you're your dog in the sense, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uncleanliness that was there before, you know, let, let's just say that it's there, but in, in this sense, you're part of the family. But even beyond that, what he is amazed at in her faith is that she's like, yeah, I'm a dog. I'm weird. I'm a slave. Whatever you want to call me, I've tasted the food, and I'm beloved. Whatever you think you are, Jesus took it on himself either. Oh, you're a failure? Oh, I've been a failure too. Wait, no, no, Jesus, you didn't sin. I didn't, but I took it on, so therefore I sinned. Hear me correctly on that. Jesus never sinned. He took it upon himself, but he entered into that which you have already on you, and so he can identify with you. That's why he was baptized. And so, hey, listen, we're, we're all good. You're, you're actually clean, so forget about that identity. Eat of this food, and you're now whole. You know, whatever you think you're lacking, just take it in. The, the word of God, this food, she's already taken it, and he's amazed by it. You get it, girl. Yeah, we're weird. We're dogs together, right? Whatever. So I, I pray this has been helpful because, you guys, when we, when we encounter the presence of God, when, when there's a habitation, when there's a visitation, we, when we cultivate reading the scriptures like this, it, it changed and ought to change, hopefully in an instant, but sometimes gradually, the way that we interact. We go from slaves to sons and daughters. Beloved with room to fly. So let's ground ourselves like this, all right? All right, let me pray. This has been fun. <laughs> Lord, I love you. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you that, uh, Lord, I, <laughs> I'm thankful that I can say things like you sinned and know that that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> know that you understand and know that we have time to change our mind. Um, so, Lord, I thank you so much that for all of us, Lord, all the mistakes that we've made, you, you, you know, in our worship, you cleansed us. You, you took those things. Any ways that we have felt like a, a slave, any times we felt like we, you know, are beholden to others or money or things like this, Thank you for freeing us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you tell us, you know, uh, we're told in your scriptures that, that you have come to, to reveal your know, righteousness. And, and so for my brothers and sisters right now, God, I ask that you to reveal their righteousness to them. They're no longer slaves. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is able to separate us from the feelings, the effects, the beliefs of being... You fill in the blank. Slaves, dogs. 
mistakes. Whatever it is, Lord, I, I ask that whatever is inside people right now that is feeling like it's holding them back, I just pray that you would put it on the screen of their mind and erase it. <laughs> Thank you for taking your great eraser right now and erasing these false identities and ways of approaching you, Jesus. Thank you that we are a community of people that recognize the erasing and see one another no longer according to that which was written, but now that which is erased, that which is in the spirit, that which is like Jesus. Yeah. Lord, there, are, there have been people that have, have been mothers, you know, fathers that have spoken false identity over them. Lord, I just ask to be forgiveness there, but also a, a cleansing, a, a severing of those words. There have been people that have sought after great things, trying to be, trying to be great, trying to make a name, Lord, you know, just you know, going after ambitious things, and it hasn't worked out. And, and other identities, Lord, have been established for them. Lord, I just ask you to sever that and erase that, God. Thank you for the fresh start, the fresh resources for Jesus, from Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, the freedom that we have from things like money, that we can see it now, how to give. And so, Lord, for any of us who have felt like we just we can't handle it well or we're never going to have to be able to give, I just ask you to cleanse that you know, and erase that as well. And, Father, for the law, Lord, the law has been uh, completed in Jesus. I thank you for that, God. I ask that you now cleanse everyone of us here from any laws that we have held on to. Let that now be released, and we let go of that in Jesus' name. Thank you that we are beloved. Thank you that we are, we are yours, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that to serve you, God, is to, is to walk in love, Lord. To serve one another is, is who you are. And it's just pure love, God, to be able to do that. So set our minds aright with that, Jesus. Let us be humble to love like that. And to think of ourselves no longer in, in that way, but to think of you always as the first thing in our heart and our mind. I love you, Jesus. Lord, tonight as people go to bed, let there be peace. And when they wake up, I ask for joy. I ask that they would spring up in the spirit. And I ask the work that you did today would be sealed and would grow to a hundredfold, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, this is your time. We love you, Lord. Amen.